Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When you look around at the people of the world, what do you see? Perhaps a better question is, what do you feel? The New Testament tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion. In Genesis chapter 15, in the Old Testament, we see the same thing as the character and heart of God is changing Abraham. The Lord wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants to give you His heart for people and to pray for them. All that to say, this world needs you. To understand this more, let's join Pastor Jim for the conclusion of his message. The world needs you right now. So we call this collective guilt. Let me give you an example. Let's think Germany, World War II. Sometimes we say the expression was like, well, that's like Germany in World War II. Not everybody was guilty. There were godly people living there. There were people that didn't really know much of what was going on. There was kids. There was, not everybody was, was, was guilty. Yet, there was great consequences for the people living in Germany at that time. There was great consequences for their nation. Now, there's other examples throughout history that took place over a much longer period of time. So now I'm going to open the can of worms and I'm going to close it quickly. In our American individualistic culture, we hear that and what do we say? No way. No way. No way. I am not responsible for what other people in my family do. I'm not responsible for what other people in my church do. I'm not responsible for what other people in my community do or other people in my country do. I'm responsible for what I do. The whole rest of the world does not necessarily think like that. I won't be surprised if I get texts or emails from people of you who come from other cultures. A lot of people from, in our church are from other cultures and they'll be like, yeah, my culture, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Now... Can of, worm, can of worms open. Keep that in mind when people are talking to you about slavery and white privilege. That many cultures believe in collective guilt and listen. I'm not saying you have to agree with them, but listen and don't feel the need to defend yourself. Just listen. This is our problem that we're having in America. No one is listening to anyone else. They're fighting and they're arguing about everything. And then the news channels are like, I wonder why our ratings are dipping. People are tired of it. They're tired of it. I don't know about you, I would much rather listen to a podcast for an hour than watch an hour of the news. Really? It's just a waste of an hour. I'm like, what was I doing? That was a waste of an hour. Okay? Can of worms closed. You see, what I think is happening here, it's possible it's happening here, and, you, and all dead Bible scholars caught this, we don't, is that understanding the idea of, of collective guilt, Abraham could be flipping it on God, saying this, Lord, if you would destroy a city because of the wicked... I understand that. You'll destroy this city of the wicked. I'm going to flip this one on you, God. Would you save it because of the righteous? 
I mean, doesn't that fit more of your character? Well, you, you, might, you might destroy it for collective guilt, but would you save it for some collective righteousness? See, Lord, they, he's saying, Lord, they need a savior. And if the righteousness, if your righteous people come to you in faith, in your character, will you save that place? You see, long before the cross and resurrection, Abraham believed in the gospel. He believed that even a small group of righteous people could be used by God to save many. I mean, what boldness. What boldness. He says, God, listen, are you going to sweep away righteous people with the unrighteous? Because what's Abraham's anchor? Abraham's anchor is this. Far be it from you. I know who you are. And his other anchor is, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? His anchor is the character of God. And when that is your anchor and my anchor, we will find that we will be much more stable in our life, and people will see it. They will see your stability. And you won't be walking around in fear all of the time. You'll have your moments. But you all of a sudden, you'll go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Far be it from you, Lord. I know you will do right. Thousand plus years later, the Lord says this, Ezekiel 33, 11, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the apostle Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us or making his appeal. We implore you, we plead with you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then that great gospel verse, verse 21, for he, God the Father, made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us. He took our sins and put them on top of Jesus on the cross that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We become the righteousness of God in Jesus through faith and trust. How many of you were here and remember our studies in Jonah? Yeah. Jonah, Jonah probably should have remembered this. Some of us maybe need to remember this, to take a lesson from Abraham and say to God, far be it from you. I know what you are like, Lord. I know that you are a God who loves to save. That word spare can mean forgive, that you love to spare, that you love to forgive even the most ungodly people in this world from judgment. Now notice the middle of verse 25. Abraham is talking about the character of God. And he says, he says these words, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. If you do this, God, the righteous people that live there will be treated like the wicked. Is that, he's saying to God, is that right? And the answer to that question is, is no. 
But what's he doing? Again, he's flipping the principle on God. He's saying, if, God, what you're saying to me is that it's possible that the righteous can become as the wicked, then it's also possible that the wicked can become as the righteous. What's he doing? It's almost funny. He's preaching the gospel to God. (laughs) So what's the problem? Ungodly people, and Jesus and the apostles taught that apart from trusting Jesus Christ, we're all ungodly, are for the most part oblivious to the judgment of God. Even American Christians, they hate the judgment of God. Even sitting in church, they don't want to hear anything about it. Oh, no, 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 no. All you got to be is good. All you got to be is good. James 2.10 says this, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty of it all. How many of you have ever told a lie? Yeah, just a few of you. The rest are just liars. (laughs) That means, that means that you can't get into heaven without the righteousness of God. You failed right there. Right there. God's standard is perfection. Yet Abraham was like Jesus, a friend of sinners. I mean, his his nephew Lot lives there, but he's so compromised, he's not really making much of a difference. And the truth is, friends, that friends of God are also friends of sinners, willing to share their Savior and their faith and their confidence in the character of God, not join them in their wickedness, but be different. Well, from the world needs your righteousness and your involvement to the world needs your Savior and your faith, we come to number three. The world needs your compassion and your prayers, and when does it need it? Now. Verse 26, Abraham is praying. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place or I'll spare the whole place for their sakes. So God says, okay, Abe, deal, I'll do it. Then Abraham answered and said, and again, it sounds like the flea market, but it's not. Then Abraham answered and said, indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes, I know I'm nothing to talk to you about this stuff, God, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Now, Abraham has a very low view of himself in relation to God. Verse 28, suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? So he, the Lord said, if I find 45, I will not destroy it. And he, Abraham, spoke to God or to him again and said, suppose there were 40 found there. So he just keeps lowering the number. He's not too confident how many godly people live there. So he, the Lord, said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he, Abraham, said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. I think he knows he's pushing the envelope. (laughs) Suppose 30 should be found there. So he, the Lord, said, I will not if I find 30 there. And he, Abraham, 
said, Indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 shall be found there? So he, the Lord, said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, Abraham said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So Abraham is well aware of the situation in Sodom. We don't know whether, you know, people had just came from there and told him or he had been talking with Lot. He knows Lot's there. And so Abraham obviously has a heart for his family that's there, for the falling away people of God that are there, for the people who don't are there that don't follow God. And he knows that they deserve judgment. But in this moment, he reminds me of Jesus. You know what it said of Jesus? When Jesus looked out over the city, it says he was moved with compassion because the people were like sheep without a shepherd. And his only hope is as the justice and mercy, and we'll talk some about this next week, Lord willing, as the justice and mercy of God hang in the balance He wants to know from God, will the righteous shield the wicked? I mean, friend, did did you ever think that while we're going around bellyaching, that our freedoms are being taken away from us, or, or maybe it's going to be harder to preach the gospel in the days to come? Have you ever really thought that our faith may be the reason why God is sparing so many people around us? It may be us. And if that's true, that God is sparing certain places, he's sparing the United States because of our faith, that should, like Jesus, fill us with compassion, not arrogance. That should, like Jesus, like Abraham, fill us with prayer for people who don't know God. We're always praying for the people who know God. It should never fill fill us with pride or arrogance. I mean, what a challenge this is to us, to who we include in our prayers. Not just what we pray for, but who we include and that we not have the attitude of, well, I'm in, Come, Lord Jesus. It seems to me that Abraham was still hoping for Sodom, that the righteous among them could influence them for the kingdom of God. Man, I hope that gets birthed in us again. I hope that that somehow the church in America just gets, gets birthed with just really hoping for the grace of God, the spirit of God falling upon our nation. And and you say, I can't see that happening. Let it start with us. With all of us in this room, with all of us in other rooms, with all of you watching online, let it start with us. Don't worry about anybody else. Let it start with us. That we just say to God, we want to see it 
We want to see it. I told you I was a radical late 80s convert. I thought that's the way it always was. Because this happened to so many people that I knew. I was in a new believers class. What happened to you? Oh, gambling, cocaine, prostitution. Oh, I was in the village people. One guy was in the village people, right? <laughs> if you don't know who that is, Google them, right? I mean, it was like one guy was a, was a hitman. He was, a, he was a, that he collected debts for the mafia. And we're like, that's what we thought Christianity was. Man, you hear about Jesus? You say, hey, save me. I'm a sinner. And I'm different. It's not the way it always is. And some of us, man, we just really want to see God do it again. Do you want to see God do it again? Well, we're going to have to change who we pray for. And stop praying for just us all the time and ourselves and me, 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 me. He was hoping. It's amazing that he ends with 10 people. He says that 10 people are enough. That is the size of some of our community groups. That is the size of some of our serving teams. That you could sit there as a group of people and say, there's enough of us here to change our corner of the world. And to watch it like the apostles fan out from here. Just what could God do with a small group of people on fire for Jesus? Just a small group. So here's the challenge. Have you considered that our area needs you? To walk in the way of Jesus and me, in the way of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. We're not shouldering the load. We're just following him. Have you really thought about that? When you look at people and you think, oh, oh, look at those people. May that change to they need me because they need Jesus. And the only way they're going to hear about Jesus is from people like me. And I got to stop standing around waiting for everybody else to make a move. And I got to approach them with love and compassion. Because if not, if we don't do it, they're going to be left to themselves. So where does Abraham begin? God began by inviting Abraham into the conversation to prayer and and listen to him. Where does Abraham begin? By praying for God to be merciful. And can't you see how merciful God wants to be? He keeps lowering the number and lowering the number and lowering the number. And God doesn't go, you're pushing it, boy. No, God keeps going, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, Abraham, that's how much I want to forgive. Keep going lower, boy. I want to do that. I want to forgive. This is the first intercessory prayer in the Bible. You say, what's intercessory prayer? It's praying on behalf of others. And notice what it is. It's humble and it's persistent. It's humble and it's persistent. Next week, we'll see 
that if Abraham went any lower, let's say to one, he probably would have ended up with his nephew Lot. The city could not depend on Lot and his righteousness, nor on Abraham. And in the same way, our area can't depend on us. It needs us to bring righteousness to them. You say, how does that happen? Well, notice he stops at 10. And I think God wants us to ask, why did he stop at 10 and ask this one question of God? And Abraham knew the answer. God, what if there was one? What if there was one who was perfectly righteous? Perfectly righteous. And his righteousness was so perfect that it would offer salvation to the whole city, to the whole world, to all the generations, all throughout time. Would you then save? What would God say? Yes, I would do that. I would do that. What if there was one who would perfectly represent us to God? What if there was one who would give us his righteousness? He has it, and he says, I will give it to you, and he will take our sin upon himself. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God, if there was one like that, would you save would you, would, you, would you do something with that? What if the judge of all the earth made that possible for you, friend? Would that be for you bad news? That you had to admit that you were a sinner and you needed help to get to heaven? Or would that be the best news you ever heard in your whole life? Because God did it in the person of Jesus Christ who lived, who walked a perfect life, lived in complete and total righteousness and died on the cross in your place for your sins and for my sins. And the good news of the gospel is when anyone, anyone, even the people from Sodom and Gomorrah, when anyone turns to God and puts their trust in Jesus, gives their lives and gives themselves to Jesus because Jesus gave his life for us. Now, Abraham's risking his life, standing there talking in front of God, but Jesus gave his life. His righteousness will be given to you and it will become yours. And if you do that, instead of being swept into judgment, you will be swept into the kingdom of God because of what Jesus has done for you. His righteousness given to you because of his life, his death, and his resurrection is enough for any sinner. It comes down to one question. Do you want it? That's all it comes down to.
If yes, it can be yours today. If you are a follower of Jesus in all the confusion, our world needs you right now because the world needs Jesus right now. Even if right now you are completely unstable, understand this, Jesus is completely stable. He is the rock that you can firmly rest your feet upon. May we be so confident in Jesus that we are so humble knowing that we are sinners and we, may we be so bold and not afraid, not obnoxious, but bold because like Abraham, we are a friend of Jesus and we are a son or a daughter of the King and we live in a world that desperately needs God's children right now. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.